You know, there are some songs that we sing uh, that are just so spot on and just preach the sermon. And some... <laughs> wow. We know, the, we know that our world... I think that's very important that we say it's our world, not the world. It's our world. And it needs Jesus. And that begins with me. It doesn't begin with them, whoever they are. It begins with me. We need Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. And you know, the sermon series that we're in is just all about Jesus. And uh, what he did to provide the remedy for our world, for our brokenness, for our lostness, for our hurt and pain, and whatever our circumstances is, our, our whatever our circumstances are, you know, our calamity, our chaos, it is Jesus. Jesus is the answer, and that is not trite. That is not simplifying things. It's simple, but it's not simplistic. Jesus is the answer. The magnitude of what Jesus has done at the cross. At the resurrection. Is the answer. And we are in the Gospel of John. And we are listening in to Jesus as He prays for Himself, as He prays for His disciples, and as He prays for us. Indirectly, even as He prays for the disciples, we can hear how He's praying for us. Jesus, this prayer that we're listening into is His prayer as He is Going to the cross. Absolutely precious. You know, there's another prayer recorded. Jesus prayed in the Scripture, the Lord's Prayer. When they were asking Him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And He said, well, pray like this. this is, that's an instructional prayer. Okay, This prayer is an inspirational prayer. This is Jesus pouring out His heart. We are listening to God the Son pouring out His heart to God the Father. And He would do that again in just a few minutes in the Garden of Gethsemane as He poured out His heart to the Father. This is God the Son pouring out His heart to God the Father. There's so much to learn from this. There are these privileges that we're, we're discovering as we walk through John chapter 17. Last week, we discovered this privilege of that it, as Jesus prays, He reveals how we share His life. <clears throat> Just real quick, let me make sure we understand here. We don't have a life as followers of Christ <clears throat> and we get a little bit of Jesus' life to share with Him. Okay? 
There's a whole sermon on this from last week. All right. We, we don't, our life as a fall, as Christians, um, the life that I had before Christ is gone. It's no more. And the life that I have now is Jesus. It is His life. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But it is Christ who lives within me. That is the life. So we share in Jesus' life, because Jesus' life is so enormous, it's so gargantuan and gigantic, that, that there's enough of Jesus' life to be my life. I don't, want my, I don't want my life the way it was. I want my life to be Jesus. And that's a privilege we learn from the first five verses in chapter 17 is that we share in Jesus' life. And then as we move forward, we're going to look at verse 6 through 12 today. We learn this privilege, this second privilege, is that we know His name. We know Jesus' name. Let's read together verses 6 through 12. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, if you don't uh, open up your Bible or the, your device there, and we're going to read from John chapter 17, uh, verse 6 through 12. I'm going to be referring to the screens, and you can follow along there with me if you'd like. Okay? So here is Jesus as he's praying. He says this I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Ooh, there's so much right there. All right? Yours they were, and he's speaking to, to God, his Father, about the disciples. Now, yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Listen to Jesus as he prays. Thank oh, this precious prayer. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. It's not that Jesus didn't want to pray for the world. It's just right here, though. He just wants to pray for these disciples that are so precious to Him. For they are yours. And then He says, All mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I cannot imagine... Anything better to be said about me by Jesus is that He is being glorified in me. I just can't imagine. I, Lord, let it be so. That my life glorifies You. I'm all messed up and I haven't finished reading the Scripture yet. Wow. And verse 11, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. 
Jesus knows in just a little while he's going to be back with his father. And these disciples are going to stay behind. And he's praying for them. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. In verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. That's Judas. He's already gone to betray Jesus at this point. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, get me through this. Let it never be wasted on me that you allow me to be an instrument through whom you share your word. Let me never stand before anyone and not be stopped in my tracks by who you are and the truth of what you say. Be glorified now. As we listen in to your prayer, Jesus, to your Father God Almighty, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> so, there's three thoughts today I have on this scripture, and I'd like to share them with you. Is that okay? You can, maybe you got your notes, maybe you have your notes with you and you got them in an email this week or a text and you can get those notes out and we're just going to walk through them. But I have three, three thoughts based on this second privilege that we learn from Jesus' prayer, you know, the privileges that we know His name. And in, the first thought is this. He has revealed the Father's nature to us. He was revealing the Father's nature to, to the disciples. When, he, when we hear God's name... His nature is being revealed. What does that mean? Well, in the Bible, the name refers to nature because oftentimes people weren't given their names until later. It was boy, <laughs> girl. Until later, until your nature was revealed. Right? Uh, uh, something special about you or some that it's, comes through your personality or just the way you are. Like Jacob, the name Jacob. Uh, Jacob means to deceive, to trip up, or to, to you know, to literally it means to take the heel. Jacob, the supplanter. And that's sort of Jacob, if you remember the story of Jacob, he's the one that tricked his father into getting his older brother's birthright. And, you know, Esau was a hairy man. And Jacob was smooth and dwelt among the tents. And he was a supplanter, a heel grabber. He, he tripped him up. That was Jacob. All right? All right. And then there is uh, um, Ab Abraham's son Isaac through, with Sarah. Uh, mean, Isaac, the name Isaac means laughter. And both Abraham and Sarah laughed out loud when they were in, in their 90s and 100s when he was born. 
and, or even before that, when, they were, when God told them that Sarah would bear a son. They laughed. Isaac um, uh, means laughter. And even Jesus' name reveals that He is the Savior. Jesus means God saves. Emmanuel, God with us. So, names meant something. Names revealed a person's nature. So God gave himself a name. He told Moses that my name is I Am. Tell Pharaoh that I Am sent you. I Am uh, is a holy name that many Jews, even now, won't speak. It is Yahweh. And even when it was spelled, it was just spelled with consonants. They left the vowels out. And actually, the pronunciation of the word is still the best we can tell. As the name, the holiest name for God, I am, is Yahweh. The Jews referred to him instead as Lord, the Lord, Adonai. Because Yahweh was too holy to speak. God gave himself a name, I am. And then Jesus came on the scene. Lord, help me. Jesus came on the scene. And boy, did He ever define I am. He said over and over in his, in, that, that I am the, and, and the Father and I are one. This is what He said. This is how Jesus went on to further clarify the nature of God through His name. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 6, Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. It's almost like it's a business card. You know, like on my business card, I used to have a business card, a little cheeky card, and it said, Derek Hartley, minister to students, Leanne's husband, Chancellor Clarence Cooper's dad. It was my... So I am, so Derek Hartley, comma, and these are my th the things that describe me. What Jesus' business card is, I am. His job title is, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the vine. And you are, here's your business card, the branches. When Jesus said in this passage, I have manifested your name, this is what He's saying. He's saying that I have revealed the nature of God the Father through the way I've lived on earth. You, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How I have lived is the nature of God. So if you want to know what God is like, then look at the life of Jesus. To the to the nation of Israel, to the children of Israel, to the disciples, to everyone who had ears to hear, Jesus said, God is no longer far away. 
forever, for centuries, that Israel saw God as this God of way out there. This God of, that passed down edicts. And He's way out there. They saw their father as their nation. Their father as maybe Abraham. Not God. They didn't have that sort of relationship with Him. They saw God as way, way off. Some, and then Jesus comes and says, I've manifested who He is. If you see Me, you see the Father. I will laugh with you. I will cry with you. I will break bread with you. I will sit with you in the darkness. And I will show you the light. I've manifested who God is. I'm with you. And I always will be. And then, if that's not enough, God, the giver of good gifts, has given us, gave, gave the disciples to Jesus. These are yours. And Jesus protects them. He protected them while He led them in His ministry. And, that while, and now as He's going to the cross, He will be with them as they continue the work of the kingdom. And then one day, One day, Jesus give, will give all of us back to His Father. When we've completed the work that He's called us to do here, when the disciples complete their work, and they, met, and they were met together with Christ again in heaven, Jesus says, here, Father, here's your child again. And that's what He will do with us. This is... Revealed to us through God's name, His nature. So Jesus has revealed the Father's nature when He tells us His name. And thought number two is this. He has given us the Father's words. Now I'm just going to have a real honest, transparent moment with you right now real human moment is that I need a Kleenex and I can't find one. I think there's a box right there. Justin, will you? Thank you. I need some sanitizer too. Right, Dr. Michelle? I bet you do. So he has given us, uh, he has given the, word, the Father's words as well. Look with me, if you will, at verse 6 first. At verse 6 first there. Jesus uses two words for words. <laughs> two words, different words for our English word, word. Is that completely confusing? Okay. All right, verse 6, he says, I've manifested your name to the, world, uh, to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Right here, Jesus uses the word logos. This word for logos for, uh, is truth. 
the word. It's, it's, the, in, it's, it's when we say Jesus, the word of life, that's what we're saying. When we say in the beginning was the word in, and the word that's, was with God and the word was God, this is the word <laughs> for word. Isn't that fun? All right, so Jesus in this verse is saying that when he's saying word, he's referring to himself, okay? All right, then later in verse 8, he says this, for I have given them the words that you gave me. All right, this word is different. This word is ramada, which means Jesus' teachings. So, here, huge thought right here, huge thought. You have the personification of the nature of God in Jesus, right? Then when you look at Him, the physical Jesus, you see the nature of God, who He is revealed, but, and also you have the truth, the teachings, the, th- the, the words that we read that disciple us, the, the, where we get the information on who God is. Not only... It's, and that information then, if, if, you, if there's difficulty in understanding and reading the words, then you look to the Word who is living out the truth of the Word that is spoken. I hope I've explained that and made some sense of that. But there's just this play that's going on there. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I've given them my Father's words. And he says in verse 6, he says, and they kept them. They kept them. Alright? In verse 6, they have kept them. And here, the idea is that they have heard the words. It's like when you're sending an email or you're sending a text, there's a message and it's information uh, some message that you need conveyed, some information that needs transferred, all right, and it's been sent. So the word has been sent. It's not been rejected. It's been sent. And you may have it in your inbox. And you may have it in, on your, your device, your phone, you know, the text, all right, and you have the information, and you may have re- even read it, okay? And when you read it, it's not you don't reject it. That's the idea. Is that they have this this keeping of the word is that the message is sent. All right, it's here at this point, it's information. It's information. Jesus is saying, I have given them the information that they need for life. Right? In our tagline, in our vision statement at First Baptist Church. This is the knowing. This is where we're gathering information about God, about Christ, about being a disciple. Alright? And then he's also, in, and then in verse 8 he says, they received. They've kept the words and they've received them. That's different. This is when the message is actually read. Do you have that function on your phone? When you send the text, alright, there's a message sent, or delivered. There's a me- there's, then, there's, then there's the message read. 
And I know this is a strange, this is kind of a wonky time because depending on how important the message you, is that you've sent, okay, you're watching. Okay, it's delivered. Okay, it's read. I'm waiting. Waiting for the response. How many of you are like that? I've seen some of you be like that. I know he read that. I asked him what he's wearing tonight on the date, and he's not responded. All right? But this is this, is this place where we are. The message here, when, 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 what Jesus is saying is, not only did they, has the message been sent, has the information been sent, it has been the disciples have received it. All right? The information is now moving from information to inspiration. In our tagline, this is the being. We're knowing. We're being. There's information that we know. Then there's inspiration that changes us, changes us to being like Christ. So there's the, there's the, there's the, uh, the, he's saying the disciples have kept my words, they've received my words, and then finally they believed my words. The message is done. The message has been received, the message has been read, and then the proper action. Has happened. When this happens, the information that we have received that causes inspiration inside of us turns into transformation on the outside. And in our tagline at church, that is the going. At First Baptist Church, we want to be about knowing, being, and going. We believe we exist to glorify God. By attracting and winning people to faith in Christ. By nurturing them in our, our family of faith. By involving them in, in, in meaningful ministry. I've butchered our vision statement. I should have written that down before I started saying it. But all that encapsulated into the knowing and the being and the going. There's information, there's inspiration, and then there's transformation. Jesus is saying, in this prayer, for the disciples, I have revealed my, your nature, Father, by my life with them. And the words that I've given them explain it and show them how to live. And they have gotten the message. They've read the message. And now they're acting on the message. They have the Father's words. And then finally, thought three is this. He continuously intercedes for them. As Jesus is praying here, he's praying uh, through verse 10, 9, 10, 11, and 12. He's praying, first of all, that he's, he's thanking God. He's thanking God that in this moment, 
in this time as he's praying that he was glorified in the ones that God gave him. He's thanking God. I'm being glorified. That they are living. That they, they have reached this point of transformation. And they're beginning to get it. They hadn't gotten it yet. But they're, go, they're there. They're in that place. They're saying, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You are Messiah. You know, they don't know all that that means yet. And they won't. They won't. And they're still going to have struggle. And you know... Uh, uh, Peter's going to deny, and Thomas is going to say, "Well, I hadn't seen him yet." And you know, they're all going to be afraid, and they're going to be locked in the, and they're going to be locked up. And Jesus is going to appear to them, and then they're going to get disheartened. And Peter's saying, "Well, let's just go fish." And Jesus meets them on the shore and says, "Do you love me?" You know, there's all this struggle that's going to continue, but they're starting to get it. They want to know. They don't know all it means, but they know that this is Jesus. He's the Messiah. And I ju they're, they're just struggling to understand. And Jesus is thanking God. Thanking God that in that struggle, in that wanting to know, in that willingness to, be ch to have the old chipped away and have all the rough edges smoothed off by faith in Christ, in that willingness to do that. Not a perfection. There's no perfection here. But then that willingness to just strive to try to be like Him and understand Him, that Jesus is saying, in that I am glorified. In that I'm glorified. And then He prays for God to keep them. There's this thanking, there's this keeping. And keep here... It's different from the kept we, we read earlier where it's a, sort of a, a receiving of information. This is a different word. You know, we, we are so limited by our blue-collar English language. Other languages are so much more expressive and they have so many words for different things. And, you know, English is a language of move dirt there. Very ugh kind of a language. Even our most eloquent expressions can be more eloquently expressed in other languages. Uh, and and th this is the place. This keep is more of a, a military term where, where Jesus is praying for His disciples. He knows, what, he knows the struggle that is ahead of them. He knows their heart that they want so much, but they have uh, to, to know Christ, to be like Him, but it's such a struggle. Centuries, centuries of tradition that have to be overcome, not to mention constant attacks from the evil one, to the misunderstanding from, from their countrymen, misunderstanding from people who are not their countrymen, misunderstood by their family and their friends. All of them, if all of them to die martyrs' deaths except John, the one who's writing this Gospel. Jesus knows that. He knows what's ahead of them. And He prays to His Father, will you keep them, like in a military term, will you form a garrison around them? Will you take up arms, 
to protect them. Listen, and this protection is, doesn't mean a happy life, an invent free, you know, negative, negative invent free life. That's not what Jesus is saying. Will you protect them as they recklessly go share my story? Will you protect them? Will you give them what they need? Will you keep them as they go? That's what Jesus is praying here. Christianity is not a four-leaf clover. It's not a big divine rabbit's foot. You will, though, be garrisoned about by God Almighty as you go and share the story as Holy Spirit lead you to go. You will. You want to talk about the promises of God being yes and amen? That's it. That's it. And then he prays for unity. Oh, goodness. He said, Jesus is praying that we understand, that the world understands, that Jesus and the Father are one. And if He's being glorified with us, we should be a unifying place in our world. That we and the Father are one. In the sense that we are His. We should be a place where we are we in, in the sense that we are beggars who have found the soup line. We are sinners who have been saved by grace. We, have, we live under the mercy of Christ and what He's done. And that ought to give us a sense of humility and a sense of just urgency to share the gospel and to be that place of peace and the place of love and the place of truth, God's truth in this world. Every nation and every tribe and every tongue that we're no different in Christ than the Africans who go to church under a tree in their community. We're no different in Christ than the Chinese who meet in secret and silence in their country as they praise God. We're no different, no different from the indigenous people who live thousands of feet up in the air in the mountains of Peru. Right, Eric Van Pelt? Tina Van Pelt? No different from them in Christ. No, we're no different from the aboriginal people in, on the, in Australia who worship God. We're no different, no different from those in the former Soviet Republic who have come through the persecution are on this side and are worshiping Him. Yes, we are different in that we don't speak the same language. We don't look the same. That we do have differences, but we have Jesus who unites us. And let me tell you, we ought to be a place 
where people feel safe and, and unified in Christ. And that ought to be our message in our world. We know that the world needs, that our world needs Jesus. And our, our place ought to be, uh, the church, the message ought to be from here that the answer to the issues, ought, the answer is always Jesus. Right now, what we see in our world is this terrible virus. Have you forgotten that? Has anybody forgotten maybe that we're in a pandemic and that people are dying a slow, hard, difficult death and we have people risking their lives on the front line every day to give them care? Have we forgotten about that? Has it been overshadowed by something equally as horrible as the racist murder of a man in Minnesota? Have we? This is our world. We cannot be content. We have to be sharing the gospel. We can't be stuck in our bubble. We can't be look at them. But we need to be rushing toward that. How can we share Jesus? There's the answer. We need to, the church needs to be the place where we are unified. And that the message is the gospel of Christ. All right, and it ha and it has to go deep. It has there has to be an information that we receive. There has to be an inspiration that we receive, and there has to be a transformation that occurs. This is the message. He's not saved us to stay the same to be fat and happy and just to be around those that are look just like us, think just like us, and act just like us. He's called us to be in this world. We are the agents that, G, that God Almighty chooses to use to bring about change. And the change that is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's be about that. Uh, if you're listening today, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, let me just tell you, this is what we're working toward. This is what we pray every day that we will be as followers of Christ. His agents of peace, His agents of love, that His grace and mercy will flow through, through us into uh, our world that needs Him so much. We want you to know the freedom that comes in knowing Jesus. And there's a process to it. First, you have to admit that you need that. You have to admit that you're, there are things in your life that separate you from Him. It's called sin. And you... Understand that the truth of the word the way, is that the wages of sin is death. And that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. 
Then you believe, you believe that Jesus is the answer. He's the antidote to our hurt and our chaos. You believe that. That for God so loved the world and He gave His only Son. And whoever believes in Him should not perish and have eternal life. Jesus came into the world not to condemn, but to save. We've condemned ourselves. He's come to save. You believe that. That there's a there's chaos. You have to admit your part in that chaos. You believe that Jesus is the answer. He's the antidote. And you trust Him. You trust Him to save you. To save you from the calamity. And to lead you back into the life He meant for you, which is abundant and full and free. To be used as His instrument of sharing love and peace and the gospel of grace and mercy and justice in our world. I'm offering that to you today. You come where you are, here in this room or at home. If you want to become a follower of Christ, you pray something like this. Father, I'm sorry for my sin. Sorry for the things that I've done to break your heart that separate me from you. Please forgive me. I believe that you are who you say you are, Jesus. I believe. Please save me. I trust you with the rest of my life such that it is. Make it what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you're at home and watching online, if you prayed that prayer, would you let us know here at First Baptist Church? Or you give us a call or send us an email. You can go to our website at fbcvision.com. Let us know about that decision. We would love to tell you what comes next. Thank you so much for being here today. We'll see you next time.